great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What's up, everybody? I am inside Gillette Stadium, which apparently my wife texted me this. So I know she wouldn't leave me astray. She was watching the post game show. And apparently on the broadcast booth, Josh Allen said that he took the Gillette. Yeah. And prime, apparently he was on the, the, the desk with them all afterwards. And he said he's um, he took the Gillette sponsorship knowing where the Patriot Stadium is. <laughs> which you know but i'm bummed that's a that's a pretty good one um this is the shout buffalo bills football podcast brought to you by tops friendly markets uh king's hawaiian right now is giving you all a chance to win one million dollars each week king's hawaiian pits two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown and you get to help decide the winner vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the one million dollar prize explore the interactive stadium to play games get recipes share photos and more visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter it was bully ball tonight for the bills um they came into gillette where they've now won three straight seasons and they pushed the patriots around on, on both sides of the ball i felt like they established their run game you know, we're going to talk about James Cook in a little while. Uh, while the sack numbers didn't jump off the screen at you, I thought that the play of their front to kind of make Mac Jones uncomfortable throughout this game and obviously with the talent that they have in the secondary was enough to get them a win. Jay-Z was in the house tonight. He made sure to make sure uh, down in the tunnel to, to stop Josh Allen uh, to dap him up. So it was, uh, it was exactly what you – a business trip to, to New England – for the Bills is exactly what they need to run. Yeah, you know, minus one hiccup where the Bills uh, let a short pass go for a 48-yard touchdown. They were great on both sides of the ball tonight. They they were dominant on defense in terms of getting that pressure on Mac Jones. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson had some really nice runs where he picked up yards after contact, but for the most part, they kept the run game in check. On offense, the Bills were great in the red zone for the first time. It feels like in a long time, uh, scoring touchdowns left and right. It, it's funny, earlier this afternoon, I was talking with a co-worker and she's a diehard Bills fan and I said you know how you feeling about tonight's game and her response eh, not worried about it at all so it's funny Matt it's like oh, oh how the muddy have fallen the Patriots right now are just kind of viewed as that eh, not too worried about them because you know what you're going to get you know on offense they're not explosive you know on defense they can make some plays but they're also very beatable and for the third straight t- game here we've seen the Bills just kind of dominate on both sides of the ball and lead to these ho-hum wins. Uh, and now the Bills sit at nine and three on the season. Yeah, and, and really set themselves up really nicely with Mike White coming to town. You have 10 days to prepare for him. A, a guy that you picked off four times last last season. And, you know, the ghost of that game, I'm sure, you know, no matter what happens against Minnesota this week, I mean, that's going to come up as he prepares for that game if he's remains the starter, which, you know, all signs point to that. But this was a game too, Ryan, that like at the end of this long stretch and Stefan Diggs talked a little bit about it at the end of the day or at the, after the game, two games in four days, three games in 12 days. This was a, 
potential opportunity to falter because the Patriots had so much pent up, you know, probably disappointment from the way that last season went on both sides of the ball. When the when they played the Bills off of that, you know, after it was the uh, win game, and it started to collapse a little bit after that. But what, by the time they got done with them in that Week 16 game, 15 game, whatever it was, that was supposed to be the elite of the elite defenses in the NFL, and and the Bills embarrassed them over eight quarters. And so I thought we were going to see an inspired effort tonight against a Bills offense that didn't have Deion Dawkins, a right tackle in Spencer Brown that is, has struggled, and obviously some issues on the interior as well. And aside from a few moments, I thought the Bills really mitigated that potential disaster at times that could have happened if Judon was able to take over the game and wreck the game. I thought for most of the game, I was surprised at how much I wasn't noticing him. Now, the, the, their defensive line as a whole, I thought, played pretty well. They got some pressure from different spots. They uh, they got to Josh Allen a couple times. They forced that fumble on the sack and complete breakdown of da- from David Questenberry. And I didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game. I thought he was kind of playing hurt anyway. He looked hurt even in the first quarter, you know, when he was yeah. kind of grimacing in between plays. You probably think that you get Deion Dawkins back next week and you're in a much better spot. But I think all things considered, to score 24 points and have a very, very casual approach in the second half with just not really a threat from the Patriots to score, this is this is what good teams do on the road in this league, especially in a division game when this was their season in a lot of ways for the Patriots. Yeah, all things considered, it was an excellent performance from the Bills. And the interior of the offensive line, I thought, played a great game. Uh, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, Roger Saffold, they were opening up running lanes for uh, bu- both of Buffalo's backs, James Cook, Devin Singletary. They were solid in pass protection. You know, you mentioned David Questenberry. He was definitely playing injured in second or third snap of the game. He tripped uh, coming out of his stance, fell down, seemed to get up limping after that. And, and he deserves a lot of credit and, and praise for playing through an injury, but he was also very bad at times tonight. There's no sugarcoating yeah. this. So uh, it, it looks like the Bills went in with a smart game plan, and a lot of that game plan was getting the ball out quickly, letting Josh Allen uh, be efficient with the football, dropping off the short passes to Stefan Diggs on quick slants or quick routes, getting it to James Cook and company, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, I thought had another really good game, so now he's stacking good games on top of one another. It was a good plan to mitigate that pass rush by the Patriots. And you mentioned it, Matt. You would think if there was one team that would come in with this chip on their shoulder, motivated, it would be the Patriots. Uh, You know, in the preseason, there was a picture of Mac Jones's locker in the background of one of the games, and he had the uh, picture from the playoff loss on it, and he wrote 47-17 on it. That was like his motivation all offseason. He comes in, and he delivers a dud, and and it's not all on him. It was the scheming, the game plan, everything else, but they couldn't do much on offense. The defense couldn't deliver against an offensive line that you mentioned it, struggling at the tackle spots. So the Bills came in. They took care of business. They've taken care of business now uh, three times in a short span of time and really not doing it any any of it at home because their one home game was in Detroit of those three games. So uh, this is a team that I think is starting to roll. You mentioned it getting Deion Dawkins back is really going to help. Uh, you got John Brown elevated for this game. He didn't have any catches, but he you know he was out there on the field. You have Odell Beckham Jr. coming to town tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot to be optimistic about if you're a Bills fan right now. Yeah, and the thing with Mac Jones too is there's a lot working against him in this game. 
And number one, you're going up against a defense. You're coming off a game against the Vikings and and flipping this the switch to a, a Bills defense that does so many things well at all three levels. And one of the things that I've kind of been up on that you know soapbox all season talking about Tremaine Edmonds and his importance to this defense, it was evident what his presence tonight mm-hmm. meant. And you know he had some splash plays, but it's again, Ryan, it comes back to just what he takes away from teams. Like Mac Jones was visibly frustrated at the end of the game. A video is going viral right now where he basically came off the field and couldn't keep his emotions intact. And he looked at it's believed to be Matt Patricia, who's kind of like the acting offensive coordinator, but they still haven't given him that title. And he looked over and I'm good. Excuse my language. But he said, you know, uh, throw the fucking ball downfield. Um, I don't I'm swear on this podcast a lot. So I'm kind of like (laughs) whispering. Um, And and if my wife's watching, you never know. I I don't think she would have let my son stay up this late to watch the postgame press conference, but he doesn't have school tomorrow. So we'll see. Throw the effing ball. The effing uh, quick game sucks, which means, you know, what they're trying to do at the line of scrimmage in this in the short passing game just wasn't working against this team. But this is the Bills defense, Ryan. What are you going to do? Start chucking it 50, 60 yards on the field? You're going to get the ball intercepted really quick, really fast playing that way. So I just think that the, the Patriots were in a situation where without Damian Harris, Trent Brown came up in the injury report today with an illness. So he wasn't 100%. He was in at left tackle. And to be honest, he's been kind of a turnstile this season anyway. Um, the Trent Brown career arc is so fascinating yeah he went from a dud to start then he had one good season he left to the raiders where he became a dud again went back to the patriots had a good season now he's over at the left tackle spot it's it's a wild kind of story on the right tackle spot connor mcdermott remember him they get him into the game he i think struggled a little bit but even still ryan i don't know von miller but i was surprised the bills weren't able to sack mac jones a little bit more he's slippery back there um shaq lawson had a little joke about that after the game but all things considered the bills defense even without von miller i think was set up to have success in this game but you still have to go out and play the game and do that they held the patriots in check uh 10 points the missed field goal obviously but you know they needed a splash crazy play like that um you know missed tackle from demar hamlin to get in the end zone yeah, the, the Bills had all the answers and going back to Mac Jones and, you know, potentially yelling at Matt Patricia, it, it is a tough scenario against the Bills because the Bills don't let you have anything deep. They they had one play where they could have hit Thornton uh, down the sideline, uh, but he overthrew that ball. But for the most part, the Bills have great coverage on those plays. There's a few passes they could have uh, potentially intercepted in this matchup that they weren't able to. You saw Jordan Poyer jump one route near the sidelines, catch it, get two feet down, but then he, w- he wasn't able to survive the ground. One of those NFL rules. Um, so it, it is tough, if I guess, if you're the Patriots, if you're Matt Patricia, knowing what the Bills do really well. Uh, but if you're Mac Jones, you know, you're sitting there. There were scenarios where it was third and 15, third and long, and you're throwing these five-yard drop-offs that you know aren't going to usually go for a first down. It, it's got to be frustrating on both ends. And you know, speaking of frustrating, you're right. The Bills end up with one sack in this game. Yeah, it was a play where Epin, uh, where Epineza just literally had to wait for Mac Jones to kind of come to him uh, because he rolled right there. But, you know, Mac Jones, he, he looks like one of those middle-aged guys, the YMCA playing pickup basketball the way he runs. But for whatever reason, the Bills weren't able to tackle him in this game. They weren't able to sack him. There were opportunities where uh, Greg Rousseau just missed him. Boogie Basham just missed him. You had Jordan Phillips make a, a die for him late in the game and miss him. Uh, so to his credit, he was able to keep plays alive. They didn't usually result in anything positive for the Patriots. A lot of incomplete passes, drop passes, 
Um, but he wasn't sacked very often either. So that's one area where the Bills need to get a little bit better, bringing down the quarterback, putting them in those long downs, down in distances. But it, it's something that can come with time with Mike White on the horizon. Uh, maybe that's the game where they can record a few more sacks. Before the game today, obviously the latest on Von Miller. Uh, and let's spend some time talking about the defense. Um, yeah. And then we'll obviously, you know, flip back over to the offense. I want to talk uh, a little bit in depth about James Cook and what the plan might be at running back moving forward. But Von Miller, the Bills placed him on injured reserve before the game today. Uh, the reason Brandon Bean said that they did that was to start the clock on his four week window. So if they had waited till after the game, a lot of conversations happening this week. Obviously, you know, they're, they're trying to work through this thing. And it's, it's this waiting game with the injury to see, you know, what it's going to feel like after that, that seven to 10 day window. Uh, so they make the decision to start the clock now, put him on IR. So it it feels like, Ryan, like to take it off of his plate a little bit and and like almost force him to sit out. Right. Because Von Miller is yeah. going to force his way back if he can. He's going to try to play on it. He want to get back for the Jets game, like he said on his podcast. But this now allows them to, you know, put him on ice for a few weeks because really you, you think you could probably get through this stretch, bring him back for Cincinnati. That's when he'd be eligible to come back. If he's able to play, he could play in that game. And then you have like that stretch run. Two games at the end of the regular season. Who knows? You might not even need that Patriots game. Maybe you could take that one off. And then, you know, it, they're still fighting for the, the number one seed. I mean, there's a conceivable path still to the one seed the Patriots are playing or the Chiefs are playing the the Bengals this week so a lot of things in play here but ultimately he ends on IR and he'll be out for four weeks and you said it I think this was Brandon Bean uh, making sure that Von Miller didn't rush himself back to the field as important as these regular season games are coming up against the Jets against the Dolphins uh, the Bears you name it they need him come playoff time. And if he's out there wearing a brace, playing at 60%, 70%, who's to say it's going to get any better than that? By giving him these next four games off, you're more likely going to see him in a better spot come the end of the regular season, come playoff time, where he can be more of an impactful player. Uh, you love the heart. You love the fact that he wants, wanted to see what was going to happen after seven to ten days in terms of the swelling, potentially playing this upcoming game against the Jets. But... It's better to have him as close to what 100% would be wearing a brace and playing through this injury uh, than what he probably would have been if he would have forced himself onto the fields too soon. So Brandon Bean just being a good GM, protecting his players, uh, making sure that when they when it matters most that they'll get what they can out of Von Miller. Um, speaking about getting what you can out of a player, the Bills didn't get anything out of Kyrie Elam tonight because he was inactive. And I've seen a couple questions in the in the comment section, so let's attack that next. The cornerback situation today with Christian Benford on IR um, was active. Tredavious White, who played all but two series today, so he is all the way fully ramped back up. Probably would have played more if not for that missing that first one in the first half with what uh, was reported as a stinger from the team. So Tredavious White on one side, Xavier Rhodes, the veteran, called up uh, from the practice squad for a few weeks. Now he's on the 53-man roster in place of Benford. He gets the start and plays the majority of the snaps at that other cornerback spot. And then Dane Jackson was worked in for a few series as well. Sean McDermott, I asked him what was, after the game, what was the, uh, what went into that decision? He said, just taking a look at what we had with Xavier Rhodes and Trey has been ramped up a little bit there, his rep count, and we'll watch the tape and see. The competition is good. It's healthy for all of us. So 
essentially, Ryan, Kyrie Elam was a healthy scratch today. Now, there's a couple things I think are in play here. Number one, he still is coming off that injury. And if you are planning to play Tredavious White predominantly in this game, and then maybe wanting to get a look at Xavier Rose, like he mentioned, it makes sense to, to have that rotation available to you. Another thing that we heard about this week, Ryan, was Leslie and Sean asked about that rookie wall and avoiding it. And he said the injury was kind of like a blessing in disguise for Kyrie. You never want to get a guy injured or have a guy injured. But when he's out and can kind of watch it from the sideline to kind of recharge, reset, this might be a bigger piece to that reset button that allows Elam to get his head right, get, get geared up, so that when they do bring him back for that stretch run, he's through maybe whatever version of that wall he may have hit, if if he hit it at all. Yeah, it's a head-scratcher to me, Matt. You know, I, I wrote an article earlier this week saying it's time to bench Dane Jackson. In my mind, it was getting Kyrie Elam more reps, getting him more playing time, because early in the year, they went with Benford for the start, and then they rotated Elam in. There's, he's dealing with this injury that he he had a few weeks ago, but he was not on the injury report at all this week. That's what makes him a healthy scratch in this game. There was no setbacks. There were no problems. Um, So you want to know what goes into that decision where Dane Jackson has really struggled. You do pull him from the starting lineup. You give Rhodes the start opposite Trey White. It doesn't look good from the perspective of this is your first round pick. Mm -hmm. This is someone that you took that you said is going to be able to make an impact against uh, these teams like the Chiefs come playoff time, these high powered offenses and maybe that was another part of the decision mac jones and the patriots is not a high powered offense you have to worry about so maybe this was just a scenario where they said we can see what we have in Rhodes, get white more reps we know what we have in dane jackson uh, but we can work him in uh, as needed it just doesn't add up to me though to make your first round pick a healthy scratch when he's healthy uh, I know he was coming off of an injury a few weeks ago. And when he has been on the field, man, I don't feel like he's been a liability. I feel like he's made some plays. He's fared well. So it just feels like one of those things where there's more to the story than what we know. But will we ever find it out? I don't know. I'm usually curious about something like that as well. But I do think with all that Sean has talked about with the rookie wall stuff and what they've gone through the last two seasons with some of these young players, I just think it's an opportunity for him to kind of step back and and maybe watch Tredavious White on a game day. How does he get ready for a game? How does he warm up before a game? How does he handle series to series in a game? Getting injured, coming back and handling in a game. Not being in the battle and having to kind of witness it as you're trying to handle your own business and being able to sit on the sideline and just watch an all-pro go back to work. I don't know. A piece of me thinks that that might be – you know, something and then also Sean mentioning that it healthy competition isn't a bad thing either. This might light a fire under Kyrie Elam. He's a very, very proud dude. He knows he's a first round pick. He wants to be out there playing. And maybe it's a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily needs it. And maybe there's something that is happening that we're not seeing. Because from my perspective, Kyrie Elam is one of the more humble dudes I've been around. Um, in the NFL covering this team for five years. Like I've met first round picks all the way through seventh round picks on UDFAs. And I would put him in any conversation with the, you know, real humble dudes as, as especially coming from Miami where that brash nature coming out of that school is kind of what they're known for. So I think that, so I, I, to me, that just does not add up that he would need a little bit of humble pie here before the, the stretch run. So I think it, it might just be more, the thing that makes the most sense to me is that it's a 
it's a situation where it allows him to just take a step back, take a deep breath. I remember Greg Rousseau, who's also came out of Miami with high expectations, talking about that lull at the end of the first year where it really suffocated him. And it really like took the winds out of his sails and uh, Florida. Yeah. Steve Lynn. Uh, yeah. My bad. Uh, it's late. Uh, I was, I was thinking about uh, Miami, obviously that's Florida, but that made a lot of sense to me. And, and this kind of makes a lot of sense if that's kind of the thinking, but you're right. It isn't a great look to have your first round pick watching on the sidelines in a, in a big time game, but it, it ended up working out for them. It did. And if it lights a fire under Elam, if he gets more playing time down the stretch, plays a role in the playoffs, by all means, maybe we go back and look at this game as a a wake up call of sorts, or we say how it was the right move. If he trends in this same direction, if he's inactive later in the regular season, if he's inactive in a playoff game, especially, you you know, you can't throw you, you can't throw around a word like bust on on a kid yet at that point in his career. It's not on him. But you, you look and you say, man, what is this team doing with their with their early draft picks? Uh, if, if Again, this is a big if, Matt, if he doesn't play, if he doesn't get those opportunities. Because then you're, you're looking at some of the players that went after him. You're looking at the fact that Boogie Basham was a second-round pick a few years ago, and his opportunities are only coming when there's injuries on this team. AJ Epines is playing a better brand of football. Uh, but he was one. Of, he was technically their first round pick the year that they traded for Stefan Diggs because they didn't have a first round pick. So mm-hmm. some of these high picks, they're maybe not getting uh, the value that they should be on them. And it's too early to say that Elam's going to fall into that category. But it's concerning to me right now, at least that in this game, when you're working Trey White back, when you know that you just put Christian Benford on the IR your first round pick can't get a Jersey on game day. That's a concern to me. If you want to eliminate all concerns this Christmas season, head over to tops friendly markets where Christmas bonus is underway right now. Tis the season to save on groceries and all of your other holiday gifts. Shop at Tops and save $10 at all your other favorite stores and restaurants. With over 25 gift cards to choose from, there's something for everyone on your list. And don't forget to treat yourself to some extra savings too. Save on great gifts, toys and games from GameStop or Toys R Us at Macy's. Great family dining at Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings. That new big screen TV you want from Best Buy and so much more just by shopping at Tops. Be Santa's biggest little helper with Christmas bonus from Tops. For a complete list of available gift card savings, visit topsmarkets.com slash Christmas bonus. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Next, Ryan. I mean, he had a couple plays that he would probably tell you he wants back in this game. But one of those is probably not the really nice play in the end zone, I thought, by DeMar Hamlin breaking up a would-be touchdown with a really, what I thought, clean hit, hard hit. And it's a tough play because, you know, obviously Jacoby Myers, I believe that's who was uh, involved in the play, was going to try to catch the ball and wasn't looking at the hit coming in. But Traditionally in football, Ryan, that's the chance you take when you when you put yourself in that situation and you're trying to make a play. You're down by a lot of touchdowns and all. And Damar Hamlin's job is to stop him from making that play. And he did it as cleanly as he could. So, you know, you probably hate that if you're Damar Hamlin, he ends up getting disqualified, which I think somebody on the broadcast, I think maybe you mentioned it, was said that that was kind of a weird and strange development. But it is what it is, and you know it didn't really have too much of an impact on the game. But up and down game for Demar Hamlin in this one. 
Yeah, and if you want to call defenseless receiver, fine. In today's NFL, that gets called a lot. The ejection, though, is ridiculous. Uh, you mentioned it. You don't just eject someone because they make a hard hit. That's It's the NFL. Hard hits happen. He read the play. He broke up what would have been a touchdown if he doesn't make that hit. Uh, so he did his job technically. Uh, so it's got to be frustrating. Now, that being said, you know, you, you mentioned there are some plays he would like to have back. Uh, the touchdown, the 48-yard touchdown pass, the quick pass that the Patriots scored on early in the game, that fell on Hamlin. Hamlin was there. He misplayed it. He let the receiver go by him, and then it was off to the races at that point. So definitely some ups and downs in his game. Uh, that hit in the end zone, though, was not one of them by any means. Defensively, uh, I thought Shaq Lawson in this game set a yeah. really important tone early in the game. Um, he played physical. He had one, and I was going to text you in game, but it was on to the next play, and I and I forgot. But I thought that is one play where I think it was Ramondre Stevenson run, and he kind of like hit him with his shoulder. It, it reminded me of like John Cena's move when he like <laughs> a guy comes off the ropes and he gives him a shoulder, a and then he hits shoulder. Yeah, and he hit. Then he hits him with the "You can't see me." That whole thing. So I don't know. I just a little, a little wrestling reference. I, I thought that that was pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it actually came against Harris, whoever the the Ooh. younger Harris is. Oh, um, White, uh, White, Kevin White, or something like that. No, no, it was. I think it's Kevin Harris. It's not Damian Harris because he's on the he's he was Kevin out Harris. for the game. Right. Kevin Harris. You're right. You're right. You're uh, he right. took that shoulder tackle and he fell down immediately on that play. Shoulder you had, tackle. Yeah, you had Lawson make another play though, get a lot of pressure. I thought that you know he had a great game and. Kudos to Shaq Lawson for the last few weeks to just his play in general. But the fact that he kind of acknowledged something where he said, you know, I never should have left. Um, this was a system that I fit into. The big money was attractive. He was coming off of a career year and, and he got a three year, $30 million contract. It's hard to leave that kind of money on the table. But he went from a uh, an important rotational piece in Buffalo during his first stint to an afterthought to a guy that was sitting out there last year at the end of the regular season uh, looking for a new home. And it, it's funny how quickly that can happen in the NFL. So he acknowledged it saying, you know, never should have left this. This is my home. This is where I meant to be. And he's backing it up with his play as of late needing to come in without Von Miller with some injuries to, Rousseau and Epinez of the past few weeks, both of them back tonight, obviously. But Lawson has really stepped up and, and taken on a much bigger role than you and I certainly envisioned for him uh, back in the summer where we were having conversations about, does he make this 53-man roster? Now the Bills look like geniuses for having him on it because of the way he's playing on, on uh, any given week. But at the same time, this role is what we always kind of talked about and envisioned for him. One where yeah. when you need him, he'll be there. And it's just about can you fit him with the numbers because you got the guys that you're kind of you know developing. But they're at the point now where, yeah, it's going to be hard to get him out of the lineup. I, I've I've been I was watching Boogie Basham at times tonight, and man, it's just he doesn't have the physicality to really win one on one when literally his main move is that bull rush, and he likes right. to get his hand up in a face bath, but he doesn't have the power. He doesn't generate the power to absolutely, you know, move a guy into the quarterback and even AJ Epinesa to his credit, he can do that at times. Um, so that's going to be an issue. Let's flip, let's flip to offense. Cause we got to wrap this thing up and I get to our tools, players of the game. 
Um, and we'll come back with another show uh, maybe uh, in a couple of days. We're going to take a couple of days off, but we'll we'll come back with multiple shows next week. Don't don't you worry about that, Bills Mafia. I want to start on Gabe Davis because I thought that, and we're going to get to Cook. We're, that's how we're going to end this show because I think I might be giving him a little award. We'll see. We'll talk about that <laughs> in a minute. Gabe Davis, this week, Greg Cosell put out a video that uh, – he didn't put out a video. He was on Ross Tucker's podcast, I believe, and he was talking about the Bills offense. And it went went a bit viral, and I think you quote tweeted it and said, you know, he absolutely nailed it. And he basically said, you got Josh Allen, who's a special player. You have an elite wide receiver in Stephon Diggs, and then you just have a bunch of other guys. And when he said that, to me, the first person that came to mind was Gabe Davis because all we've talked about, all offseason long, coming off that four touchdown performance was, you know, this ascension into this wide receiver two role that makes this offense truly scary. Now, he had a touchdown today. He made a he made a really important play. I mean, Josh Allen made most of it, but Gabe Davis had to make that catch and he did. But here's here's something to look at, Ryan. Between check this out. Stefan Diggs, seven uh seven catches on nine targets. McKenzie, five catches on five targets, Cook. Six catches on six targets. Naheem Hines, a catch on two targets. Shakir, a catch on a target. Devin Singletary, two drops on two targets. That's bad. We'll talk about that in a second. Knox, (laughs) one target, no catches. Gabe Davis was targeted seven times, and he only finished this game with two catches. That's unacceptable, and I think that 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 kind of – coincides with what Greg Cosell is talking about. Now, Isaiah McKenzie, he has had a real resurgence here late in the season, which is really good to see because they need other uh, weapons. But I think Gabe Davis has to hit that next level, that next gear, and show some consistency over the stretch of the season. But I do believe he can find that. I I just I don't think we've seen it yet, and there's a, a multitude of reasons why I think that's happened. Yeah, like I said, Greg Cosell nailed to that point. I like Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis can have big moments in big games. He proved that in the playoff game against the Chiefs last year. But it's been a very inconsistent season this year. He's had some good games. He had an injury. But since he's been back, there really hasn't been any games where it's been he's been one of the best players on this team. Tonight, he said it. Two catches on seven targets. He had a drop on a low pass. He... Couldn't haul in a touchdown pass, went on a similar route to what Stefan Diggs uh, ran for his touchdown. He did catch one in the end zone on a play where you said it. Josh Allen did most of the work. You know, Cosell's main talking point was up until tonight's game, it's been the Josh Allen show. And Josh Allen has been uh, dependent to do just about everything. And he's not wrong. You know, a few weeks ago, we came here after the Vikings game and, and fans were uh, upset with the way it ended, the way that Josh Allen threw the interception in the end zone, and I get that. The interception was really bad. But people were saying, oh, you know, we, he's a liability. He had 400 yards of total offense in that game. You can't be a total liability when you are the offense. And he right. has been the offense most of this year. Tonight, they finally established the run game and get some balance going, and Allen didn't have to carry the team on his back. He was allowed to be efficient. He quietly had a really nice game, 22 of 33, over 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, didn't have to go crazy running the ball. It was, you know, you want Allen to be able to take over games in big moments when you need him, but it's also nice to have a game like this where you can lean on the run game. He didn't have to be Superman. Uh, He could just be Josh Allen and make those few plays here and there. The sideline touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, the drop in the bucket, uh, what should have been a touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs if it wasn't for uh, Tommy Sweeney holding penalty. 
He made big plays and big moments in this game, but he didn't have to be a one-man show. The Bills need some more help outside of Josh Allen, outside of Stephon Diggs. And right now, they're not getting it from Gabe Davis. They're certainly not getting it from Dawson Knox. Isaiah McKenzie stepped up as of late, but uh, again, no one's game planning for Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, he, he's, I'm glad that he stacked two games on top of, of one another, but at the same time, they're missing some guys out here when you look at some of these other high-powered offenses. You know, I think I think you said it all perfectly there. And they're going to need as these games get more difficult, you're not going to get it. You know, the benefit of playing against a team that has Mac Jones, at quarterback and obviously just the misses that this organization that to me was the biggest shocker of, you know, this Patriots development over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, you know, leading into tonight is just the absolute failed post Tom Brady era that the that the Patriots have been. You know, just the way that this thing's been built and the questions that we had about it when they were doing it. I mean, Jonu Smith is a afterthought at this point. I mean, I, I don't even think he plays. I don't know if he was on the injury report, but I, I don't even think about him. So I, I didn't even think to look about look, look it up this week. Hunter Henry, somebody I thought could be a potential weapon today, invisible in this game. He had a couple catches, I think. They, they just they they've spent money. The only place they've spent it that it's worked is Matthew Judon. And what has it meant? Really nothing. And you're you're left in a spot in the fourth quarter when Bill Belichick is punting down 17 points in the fourth quarter. Just wild, wild game management from the quote-unquote greatest of all time. And to me, that's a, a lack of belief in your team. It's a lack of belief in what your kit, your team is capable of. And then, you know, late in the, the game, and I know they're down a bunch of scores, but just letting the clock run out with timeouts left. It was just, this was a defeated organization today. And I think they're what I thought they were going to be in March when we were having these conversations. Yeah. And I was, I was putting over the dolphins and the jets way back then, because we've seen the writing on the wall for this Patriots team. And, you know, this was their, to me, this was their, their final siege back to try into relevance. And, they're they're as irrelevant as I thought they'd be. Yeah, and I can't remember who said it post game. It might have been on WKBW. It might have been on ESPN. But they said, you know, right now, uh, the assets that the New England has, it's worrisome. They're they're not in a spot where this is a quick fix or a quick turnaround. You can certainly make the case that you would rather have Mac Jones over the quarterback situation in New York right now with the Jets. That's fair. But he is what he is. You're not going to win because of Mac Jones. You have to win because you have the talent around him. You'd have to have an unbelievable defense. There's just, you know, the wide receiver positions lacking, the money they invest in the tight end. They're not getting uh, enough production by any means from that area. You mentioned Trent Brown, the ups and downs there. It's, It's Matthew Judon, who they spent a lot of money on. He's been really good. Josh Uche, he's had his moments here. Uh, and a younger player, Kyle Duggar. But there's so many holes on this roster, Matt, that I can't imagine them being a Super Bowl contender anytime soon. And you have to start to wonder, you know, when is Bill Belichick just going to kind of hang it up? He waved the white flag tonight. You said it. He, you know, three timeouts in his pocket, minute 53 left, just lets the Bills kneel down. And, and I, I was saying pregame. The Patriots aren't the greatest show on turf. It was not realistic for them to get the ball back, score quickly, onside kick, score again in that time frame. I get that. But he just quit. They just, you know, just tapped out. They said it's over. 
We give up. They punted from their 46, I believe, at one point tonight. Uh, they punted in some spots where it's like, aren't you going to go for it in this situation? Aren't you going to try to get into this game? And they didn't. They know what they are. They know when they're beaten. Uh, and that's all you can really say about them right now. They are probably going to be minus a late uh, you know, collapse by the Jets in terms of really dropping a lot of these games, which is possible. They might end up being last place, which you predicted months ago is what seemed like a bold prediction. Then it looks like it it might come to fruition Uh, right now over at value home centers. You have one day left. Check this out. Their black Friday ad uh, runs through uh, all the deals run through December 3rd tomorrow, which is Saturday. So if you're listening to this show on uh, uh, Friday morning into Saturday, you got a little over, uh, you got two days left. Really? The days are kind of, Mashing together for me right now, Ryan. But so many good deals. Like I- I'm looking at this thing right now. They got the Weber grill deal that we talked about all summer long. It is back. You can get it for the Spirit 2 E210 propane grill on sale, $100 off for $399. You can save $70 on DeWalt's cordless drills, two different versions, $70 off each, accessories as well. Head over to Value Home Centers tomorrow. Go over to the website. Get, get in on these deals before they end on December 3rd, Saturday. Uh, and we got to hand out our value home centers, toolsy players of the game. And I'm going to start. And I want to get into this before you give yours. I want to talk about this run game in general, but I'm going to give it to James Cook, who I thought today, first of all, if you're watching this from a fantasy football perspective, you might want to scoop James Cook on the waiver wire if you haven't done so already because he's all of a sudden turning into quite the PPR monster. I think he had a 16-point game today and he didn't even get in the end zone. Six catches, 41 yards, uh, 14 carries, 64 yards, 4.6 per carry in the run game. Devin Singletary vultured that touchdown. He, He finished with one less carry in this game. He ran for 51 yards, Devin Singletary. But Cook adds, listen, He's he probably lost twenty to thirty yards because of the turf monster coming up out of there and 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 nabbing him on a couple of those runs. And Stefan Diggs joked about it after the game that he's got to learn to get his knees up a little bit when he's running. But he's young, he's excited. This is his first real big opportunity. He's starting to find some success after real slow going early in the season. So this is a a really nice development for the way that this team is kind of marrying their their high octane pass game to now a really success, successful run game and I thought James Cook did a really nice job tonight. Yeah, 100 total yards of offense, over 100 yards of total offense. Uh it's a, it's a great choice, Matt. Caught every target thrown his way. That was the big thing coming out of Georgia. Best pass catching back in the draft, and he's proving that tonight. Running the ball well between the tackles, like you said. Uh, you know, he fell on more because of, of his own, you know, tripping over his feet, whatever you want to call it, than actually Patriot defenders knocking him down. That will come with time, but you have to love the way that he ran. You have to love the way that Singletary ran the ball. I, I was saying 14 is the magic number for Singletary. He ends up with 13. So I think now they're 6-1 and one when he gets double-digit carries. Um, so it's good to see some balance on this offense. It's good to see Singletary continue to plug along. But it's great to see James Cook running the way that he is, uh, getting those yards after the catch the way that he is. So really good day from Buffalo's one-two punch running back. Who do you got? You know, I was tempted to give it to Isaiah McKenzie, but I'm going to the defensive side of the ball. I'm giving it to Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, You saw what Edmonds brought to this defense tonight. Uh, No tackles for loss, but a few tackles right at the line, a few tackles immediately after catches. He was all over the field for this team. You saw how much they missed him in the middle of the defense when he was out. 
he has become a really strong linebacker for this team. I know the fan base has bashed him in, in years past. This is his best season as a pro to date. Uh, and, and there's no reason for me to believe he's not going to get any better. Obviously, the Bills have a decision to make on his contract coming up. How much are they comfortable paying him? But he's answered every question, in my opinion, this year, Matt, with his play overall. And, and when he hasn't been on the field, you've seen how much this defense has looked lost at times, given up big plays on third down, down at times. He's strong against the run. He's strong against the pass. This defense is a completely different beast when he's on the field. I love that pick. And, you know, we've been, you know, we were talking about it with him out for the last couple of games. What changes for this defense and the stress that it puts on everybody else in the secondary? And also just what he means from a communication standpoint and a comfort level. Like I'm, I'm sure that AJ Klein did a really good job when he played for him and Tyler Dotson and Terrell Bernard have, have tried their best, but just think about the countless snaps that this guy has had in this defense, the countless plays that he's had going back to Shaq Lawson's first stint here. I mean, they probably have chemistry just from that, being able to kind of pick up where they left off this season. So um, yeah, I love that pick of, uh, uh, of Tremaine Edmonds and, you know, getting him healthy and available to me, eyeing that Miami Dolphins game in two weeks. I think you can make an argument that after Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds might be the most important person on this team for that specific matchup because where are those game where are those plays coming from for what the dolphins are doing well right now over the middle of field in those quick slants those quick game over the middle where they're you know two is getting the ball out quick and if you don't if you're not tackling you're you're dying against them so i I love that pick yeah it's edmonds and poyer neck and neck for that dolphins game in terms of most important because you think of that one big hitter that he hit in the second half that being tua to jalen waddle Jordan Poyer breaks that play up or, or Tua doesn't even attempt that throw. So if they have Poyer and Edmonds in that game, you know, you, you got to love the way that I think the Bills are going to be able to attack that uh, Dolphins offense and try to get that win back. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what Tua looks like in the cold Buffalo weather. Uh, we know that he's had a great year this year, not taking anything away from him, but there's a ton of questions about how he plays in the cold. If you don't want to answer any questions, just go over to the Tops Carryout Cafe and they will have all the answers for you. Let Tops do all the work on your game day or for your tailgating spread. Two home games coming up, so a lot of work to do at the Carryout Cafe. Hot to go fresh large cheese pepperoni pizza, $14. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, $14. Tops legendary breakfast pizza, large, 20 bucks. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections. $5.99 a pound, sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We are going to take a couple days off after this crazy stretch. But before you know it, we'll be back with plenty of shows, plenty of content for you all next week. Hit the like button, subscribe before you go. Have a great night, everybody, and enjoy a Sunday of football without a Bills game. Kind of step back, enjoy it, right? With a dip, with a W. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.